And we are back for another edition of the Daily Dots. And I don't know if you guys are paying attention to the market today, but there's some things that happened. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of chuckling about the timing because I, I think this is wasn't it, we we were talking about this very thing next last week, right? Yep. We were talking about it's a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, just saying <clears throat> if this if this year has blown your mind, which it has blown mine, um, meaning risk free rates going up and earnings on an adjusted basis flatlining and all that kind of stuff. Uh, not, not the typical recipe for multiple blowouts. Uh, <laughs> and, and when I say not typical as in it's never happened, um, you know, we were warning you that, uh, we thought we were entering the phase of bad news is good news because, you know, soft landings and unicorn ranches and, uh, 15 years of going straight up has got everybody believing that the, um, (laughs) the economy is great. And the only problem is higher rates. Um, and that is what we saw today. So a rundown of the indexes. Uh, so what happened this morning was you had a CPI print come in, not a lot better, but a little better than expectations. Chase, what were the expect? Wasn't it like 3.4 coming in? Yeah, so expected was going to be so last last time was three point seven. People expected three point three. We got three point two. Um, we were flat month over month instead of getting a a, a small uh, jump. And on core, um, people expected four point one, and we got four. So, uh, <laughs> although I will say, if you go down to the next decimal point, the beat was at, it was decent, but not. I wasn't. If you would have told me beforehand. Hey, this is going to happen. Does that justify you know the five year yield going down twenty five basis points? I would I would say no. Even even though I'm a disinflationist and think we're headed to a recession, uh, it's just a giant overreaction because of of another thing we've talked about on the show a lot that the market has no idea what comes next, so it just overreacts to every data point. And like we were talking about earlier, I I think if retail sales came in hot tomorrow, the whole thing would unwind. Not that I think that will happen, but. I think that's that would be the reaction because the market just has no idea what comes next. But we are nor, in that. Nor does the Fed clearly. But we are in that phase, and I think this is probably if if we are correct about our recessionary out, outlook, which got more and more data keeps coming in, pointing that direction. Um, the other thing, and I, I think we've talked about this as well. The other thing that I think is interesting is manufacturing still isn't getting off the mat, um, which. I, you know, I, I was more open to the idea of things normalizing and the potential of a quasi soft landing. I, I don't believe, I, I just don't believe in the soft landing. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but, but does that mean you're, because you're in the no landing camp, like Goldman Sachs? No, I, <laughs> I is that really what they said? Yeah. The debate on wall street is more or less soft landing or no landing at this point. As every economic data point decelerates, I, I just don't know what these guys are looking at, man. I just don't know what they're looking at. It, it that feels so much like oh eight oh nine to me, where you're you're going, and as the data deteriorates, it's like the bulls get more confident. It's it's the it's the most bizarre setup I've ever seen. But hey, here we are. Uh, Nasdaq closing just shy of fourteen thousand one hundred, up three hundred and twenty six points in the day. 2.37%, Dow up just shy of 500, 1.4% up, and S&P just shy of 4,500, 4,495, up 84 points, 1.9%. Um, this would tell you that 
everything's amazing and we're going back to new all-time highs. Um, you have a day like today where Home Depot had another they well they beat on earnings that were adjusted lower anyway, but not a good quarter. Yeah, um, same store sales down year over year. Yeah, Again. just everything going in the wrong direction. Their stock goes up six percent. Um, we're just in, the, and, and I think these are the, the. I think this is exactly what Mike Wilson was talking about when bear markets are a hall of mirrors. Uh, and I think this one's going to be the king of all of them. Um, but now you're looking at a market right now on a technical basis where it seems like we were talking about a month ago, a month and a half ago, how we were clinging to downside support. You know, we were flirting with it. We never really got that confirmation move. Um, that fast now you're on the other side of it where you're hitting upside resistance and it looks now we're in, again, I think we're in the inverse place that we were just a month and a half ago, meaning, yeah. It looks like this market wants to just rip higher. Breath accelerating. We got those wide breadth thrusts. I think it was last week. All all this stuff. I mean, hugely, hugely bullish, like technical setups. Um, de- definitely are are asserting themselves at the moment. Yeah. While the consumer continues to weaken, delinquencies continue to climb. Home sales continue to slow even more. Uh, it It really is remarkable to see this. Just, just a soft patch, baby. Yeah, it's a gully, right? As they yeah, said, there you go. Short. Um, so I, you know, I don't know where that leaves us. I mean, you had a big the pullback in rates today was Brett. The, the 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 craziest thing I saw today is the dollar was down one and a half percent. Yeah, because because things got you know so much better in Europe or wherever else, you know, uh, and that led to some some really nice moves in some emerging markets and just just non U.S. markets in general today. Um, but yeah, at one point the five year was down 25 basis points. I mean, the 10 year closed the day down just, just under 20 basis points. So 19 and a half basis points down. Where'd we settle at on it? 4.44 now. So we wow. went from, from five back to four, four, four. Um, and the 30 year, uh, closed at 4.62. And that, I mean, we had gotten as high as 5.17 at one point. So pretty decent moves lower now that the two year five year that kind of stuff's it, it's still in a range it's been in lately um but then you go look at like the 10 year and that that put in a a new low on, on the yield in a in a pretty big way versus the last few months well and tlt i didn't see where tlt closed 89.78 oh so it pulled back okay so that 90 has been kind of a, a mark for that thing it got up above it for a second and then closed below it um, the only thing that's keeping me now, listen, I want to preface all of this with guys, when you're reading the data and you're looking at valuations and rates here, um, I am the opposite of a bull here. Fundamentally over the next 12 months. Um, but the only thing keeping me, but, but into the end of the year, I'm definitely leaning bullish just because again, not fundamentally, but just because you, you know, and I'll keep repeating this and, and, you know, I think there should be enough dead bodies out there for people to have learned this lesson, but you know, I don't, I don't think it's sacrilege to say you're in a market that doesn't care about fundamentals. It just doesn't. And it will at some point, it just doesn't right now. Um, but when I look at this market, I'm tending to sit there and going, and, and I kid you not, I, I look at this market at 10 to 15% rip into the end of the year. Pressing all-time highs would not surprise me at all. It would, wouldn't surprise me at all. 
Um, that being said, when I look at the things that rallied the hardest today, the breadth indicators going up, all that kind of stuff, I really want to see the NASDAQ get above that 14.3, 14.4 level before I feel really convin- convinced of that. Um, just because we have hit this same area and failed three different times over the last year and a half. Uh, just like we hit that bottom support, I, I still fundamentally, I think the proper setup for this market is to stay in this range that we've been in. So I don't know before I get really bulled up, but I mean, outside of that, it's really hard. Again, we're not talking fundamentals, which sounds weird, right? Push profit and all that kind of stuff. Valuations. No one cares. It doesn't matter right now. Um, When you put all that stuff aside, it's pretty hard not to look at this setup and think that you could rip a massive amount into the end of the year. Is it, is it not? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's pretty much been my base case for the last couple of weeks. I mean, it, it kind of, it's kind of like what Frank the tank said in old school, whenever he got caught streaking, everybody's yeah. doing it. Yep. Yep. So, and, but the, the funny thing about that though, is some of the data I saw yesterday is a lot of active managers are, are not only are they not participating, but they're, but they've been fading it. So you're going to have a lot of people panic buying to get back in because they've been fading it. Now, some of the sentiment stuff is starting to get sporty already, but some of the positioning stuff I saw from like hedge funds was they weren't really participating. So that really just gives this, the move that much more strength, the fact that people aren't going all in yet. Uh, but when I, you know, when I see things like Carvana up 16% on the day, no, no, it's, it, it just, that, that's what worries me a little bit about this. Or about, small caps up over 5%. Yeah. The IWN. No, that, that just, that's short covering. That's short covering. Right. Um, yeah. yeah I, think, I, I think that's part of it too on rates is, I mean, people are so short bonds in, in the futures market. So like a, a lot of the rates move is, is just the fact that people are having to, to cover some shorts. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a sporty environment out there for sure. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of uh, what else, what, what other, what else of pertinence? I mean, I, I just think the equity move S and P PE ratio over the trailing 12 month is back up to just flirting with 25. Um, which is just, that's astounding. I mean, people try to compare this to 0809. S and P was trading at like a 16 and a half percent or 16 and a half multiple going it, into 07. It still is X mag seven, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. X mag seven. Everything makes sense when you go X mag seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other one for our data junkies out there, while you're looking at the S and P now up 18% on the year, the median stock on the New York stock exchange is down in excess of 30. The, the, there's no comps for this environment. We've never seen anything like this. Um, I, I certainly haven't. What What is the combined? I got to go update it because I think the combined market cap for the top 10 stocks of the S&P 500 is got to be right at 50% of GDP. I have no idea. That's a good one. It's got to be close. I mean, you think about Microsoft and Apple alone are at six, effectively six trillion bucks. Throw in Google and Amazon. I mean, you're, you you got to be pressing, or, or, you know, another, tr- what, another $1.4 trillion for NVIDIA. I, you got to be pressing $11, $12 trillion on the market cap of those top 10. And what's GDP at, $24 trillion? Yeah, so at the end of July, the MAG-7 was $13 trillion, so. Third, good God. <laughs> That's real money, folks. Seven companies equal 55% of our GDP. 
And then you look at Microsoft trading at 15 times sales. I this this is this is unbelievable. I, I'm having a hard time coming up with the words. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you look at like the the Buffy yardstick, and that thing is just it doesn't even make it's just kind of gone nuts. But that and that takes me back to I I still think a, a big part of the reason for a lot of that is is stuff that might be coming to an end. Things like giant buybacks and uh, taxes falling for these companies, you know, just methodically every year. Like well, that stuff's probably over, and but we're just not going to act like it until it really hits everyone in the head. I'm, I'm, I am still amazed with a fed funds rate at five and a half and the macro data coming out right now. I'm just still amazed that that has not popped this thing. I mean, I guess it has with all but seven stocks, but I, the belief behind that, like I've literally heard serious people talk about how they're recession proof and Apple just announced the fourth consecutive quarter of declines outside of a recession. And we and we know that last quarter was just starting to feel some of their China pain, so it's it, it's even worse than than it looked then, really. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to make of it. Although I will say this, and this isn't a trade recommendation, but for those of you out there that are thinking about this, that are scratching your head, um, and I hate even saying it because if I say it, it probably won't work, but. I sure do like playing this via being long duration and long that kind of stuff uh, as opposed to the equities that don't make any sense because I think all that stuff wins either way. It, it pays you more while you wait. It well, I mean, it, we, it wins if the recession does come or doesn't come as long as we keep slowing down with inflation. I mean, our portfolio was up 30 basis points less than the S&P today, and we've got what – a third of a third, a third's fixed income. Like so, a third is fixed short-term fixed income, um, and you know mortgages, REITs, things like that. That stuff all adds up to about forty percent of the portfolio when you get into all that stuff. But just just by playing the you know we're getting paid interest right, we're getting our dividends, we're getting our yield, um, and we're still keeping up. Now, not on the year, we're still trailing the S and P pretty good by the year, but. Um, I, I just continue to believe, like if you think if you think the market's going to continue to rally, I just don't think it can't unless rates continue to pull back. Yeah, I mean, the market has, is asking a lot from the economy now. It's asking for inflation to keep moving lower and for growth to slow, but only but earnings only accelerate a little bit. And earnings, earnings to, accelerate. Yeah, earnings to go up double digits next year. So we want slower growth, higher earnings, lower rates. Lower inflation. Inflation to go away. You want the Fed to be preemptively cutting. Like all, all that stuff really needs to play out. You're, you're just really asking a lot. <laughs> well, by a lot, you mean more than investors have ever asked of, of anything in the, in, the, in the past, ever. I mean, you want to talk about threading a needle right now? On a, now, here's the catch. The one thing Marcos and I were just talking about is, you know, and, and you and I have I've broached this topic before, and you got to see if the market breaks out and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm just afraid that you might get a run back to all time highs here, and if you do that, I I think, you know, I again I'm not saying this is a projection, but if if you had a crystal ball and you told me that you know 16 months from now the Nasdaq was going to be at 30,000, I wouldn't bet I wouldn't bet my house you were wrong. I might regret not betting my house, but I I wouldn't bet no just. 
you know, you and I have had this discussion a million times and I just can't enforce this enough to investors. Don't fight this stuff, man. I mean, you know, maybe this is the market sniffing out. You know, I was looking at one chart. Now the setup is completely different. And I thought it was kind of, you know, urban caramel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the setup was ridiculous, but he did put up a chart where it showed that the market averaged 7%, a 7% CAGR from like 1942 to like 1967 when interest rates went way higher. Now, the reason I think that that's a really bad comp is, you know, you're including us coming out of the Great Depression, for God's sake, right? I mean, you couldn't have had more runway on corporate and consumer balance sheets, right? You couldn't, the setup couldn't have been better. You had capital flowing into the United States post-World War II. Good demographics. Demographic growth booming. I mean, the, the setup could not be more different. But I mean, I think that's the point we're at in this, where even seasoned professionals are trying to come up with ways to justify this. And you look at them and go, okay, that's happened before, but there's nothing similar other than the rate increases. The rates were going up for entirely different reasons. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's not even, a, it's not even the same comp. And for a chunk of the, I mean, and for a chunk of the forties, we, we had yield curve control. So I, now we're going to have it again in the future. And when we do, you're absolutely going to want to want to own stocks like, and, and, and when we will, whenever that happens for sure. But for now, we're, you know, we're not there. We're, we're at the precursor part where you got to feel some pain in order to uh, induce that move. Well, and that's why, like, you know, as being being obviously a fiduciary and a fundamental investor, that's why I like playing this from the rate side so much more is we're getting similar uh, amplitude to the upside. We're ripping off a bunch of dividends. As a matter of fact, if you look at today and yesterday, the two days combined, we've actually outperformed the S&P with way less exposure to equities. Yeah, exactly. Just way, way less risk in general. Just the yield proxies. So, I mean, I continue to think that's the way to go. Anything else the folks need to be looking out for? We got the big announcement this morning, but where else are we going? Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning we'll have retail sales. That'll be that'll be the next the next shoe to drop. The next big uh, data point. It, the pretty low expectations for it, um, which it kind of reminds me of the jobs reports where every month there for like a year we had such low expectations and it beat it. So it could be another situation where. And then like last month, everyone thought they were just, it was just a gangbusters retail sales print. And everyone, I mean, yields went up like 20, 25 basis points that day, right? Well, and then you look under the hood and you're like, well, wasn't that good? I, I think it could be the same thing this time where it's a beat, but then you go look at it and you're like, well, yeah, no, it's, it's actually pretty weak. So we're expecting headline retail sales to be negative. X-Auto to be negative, a little bit, not not a lot or anything. And then the control group, which is, in my opinion, the most important, um, to be positive 0.2% month over month. So we were 0.6 last month. So people are definitely expecting a decent slowdown uh, this month in retail sales. But if it beats that and it's kind of flat or up a tiny bit, um, you're going to have some problems in the market. Tomorrow's going to do the opposite. But on the flip side, you know, if, we, if we're down half percent, 0.7, something like that, uh, you're just going to get and more of what you got today. Although I will say if, if retail sales are really bad, that may be one where the market has to kind of examine it more from a, uh, it might have to at least start to entertain a hard landing scenario if, if sales are bad. Well, and, the, and then this, and you just described precisely why we like playing this via the yield side of things. 
right? The the it just the rate side because you win either way. Yeah, if retail sales are down one percent tomorrow. Market may be up, but it, there's going to be some people head scratching. Oh wait, well wait a second. Like, is this a problem? You know what I mean? Especially in light of recent employment data. So, and if retail sales are that bad, then you you know companies have to start looking around. Like, who who hears extra? Yeah. Um, I saw. I can't remember who made the point today, but someone made the point that. You know, with, with all the remote work, one of the things that's interesting about that is it, it might make it really easy to fire people. I don't, yeah. I don't think people have thought about that. The friction, the, the less friction of being like, hey, jump on Zoom, you're fired. Yeah, and then, and then do the old button that I've heard a couple times that happened around COVID, where before you even give them a chance to respond, you just hit end meeting. Pretty, it's a pretty easy way to break up with, with an employee. That so. actually happened to my sister. Jeez. Yeah, she, she got on a Zoom meeting. They fired her. He canceled the meeting, didn't even allow him to speak. That's that's professional. Yeah, the whole the whole the whole the whole labor force fired the whole labor force. Yeah, I, that's interesting. About. I hadn't thought about that. Well, anyway, we'll have to see what happens tomorrow. But uh, until then, bad news is good news. Enjoy while it lasts, kiddos. Uh, and we will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Daily Dots, keeping us or tagging along or having you guys tag along with this journey we're taking and let's see the way it unfolds. So until tomorrow, you're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.